you to share with, I'm, don't go into a, a battle story, but I just want you to, in a sentence or two, tell the person next to you the most stressful test or examination you've ever taken. I mean, how many of you went to, have gone to school? Okay, and so, or maybe you've tried to take a test for a license or some type of certification. I want you to share the most stressful test or examination, certification, evaluation you have ever, ever taken before in your life. If you could take the time to do that right now, someone near you. After this, be ready for the clip after this. You got about one more minute. The most stressful examination, evaluation, test you've ever taken. Okay. I'm gonna point to two people. Young lady, if you don't mind, could you share with us your most stressful examination? Mm -hmm. Come come on, come on up here so we can Come on, we need we need we need a mic. Come on, come on. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the power. Amen. My name is Rachel. I'm a third year medical student. I'm here in Atlanta for my third year assignment. Thank you. So my most stressful exam I've ever taken was my board exam last year. I'm not finished. I still have one next month. The one I took last year was by God's grace, I passed it. I did well. It was an eight-hour exam. <laughs> so keep me in your prayers for next month. It's a nine-hour exam. It's a nine-hour <laughs> That feels stressful, an eight-hour examination. Come on. All right. John, what was your most stressful examination? Come on up here. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Welcome him. Come on. There we go. Um, I was I was uh thinking about it. I couldn't really it was quite a few actually. The one I pinpointed though was uh my Georgia standard eyes uh exam to to pass to get out. I was able to pass it, but it was a stressful period 
during that time. And so, how, um, how did the stress affect you? I mean, you know, just the anxiety of getting to the exam, sitting down, and just, you know, this was all uh, leading up to whether or not I graduated or not. So it was just, it was a stressful time. <laughs> stressful. You know? Yeah. Okay. So, now your, your name again is? Rachel. Rachel. I got one more question to ask. So, did you lose any sleep? Over this, how much sleep did you use, lose? Sleep when you can. So maybe one, one, once every 72 hours. <laughs> but anyway, um, all of us in life encounter stressful times. And when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus experienced a time of stress. I'd like for you to look at this clip. Do you really believe that one man can bear the full burden of sin? Jesus encountered his most stressful time in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe this passage is found in Matthew 26, the 36 through the 46 verse. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to grieve, to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not, I, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And Peter said, and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watch and praying that you may not enter in temptation. 
The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again and a second time and prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. He left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. This was one of the most pressurous times in Jesus' life. And the reason why there was so much pressure was because Jesus, literally, Jesus was, the, the, he says, Father, if this cup could pass from me, and the cup that he was about to drink was the cup of all the sin of the universe. All the sin of mankind. His body was literally be, uh, about to become the garbage can of the universe because all the sin of mankind he was going to carry on his body, in his body. And, and Jesus being all man and yet all God at the same time, Jesus never experienced um, a, a breakage of fellowship with the Father, but he was now beginning to see that he was going to experience the Father turning his back on him. He was going to experience being forsaken. He was going to become the very thing that he and his Father hated, and that was sin. And he was doing it not because he was guilty of sin, but because we were guilty of sin. But the whole burden, that burden of, of being put, of being, um, being, being about to be tortured and crucified by the devil was in the mind of Jesus. But Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. In life, how many of you know that we experience pressure? And um, I, th there were several things that came to me as I was working on this message. The kind of pressures, this is blood pressure um, number two. Bishop Johnson did bl uh, blood pressure part one. I'm doing blood pressure part two. That message rocked me so much I could not get it out of my mind. And so the opportunity, Bishop called me and asked me to um, minister. But one, of the, one pressure that sometimes we never think about is the pressure of rejection. Rejection is a pressure. The fear, what is rejection? It's the fear of being hurt, reject, rejected, laughed at, abandoned, mistreated. Rejection is the sense of being unwanted. The agony of desperately wanting people to love you, but being convinced they do not. The aching desire to be a part of something, but never feeling that you are. Man, rejection is a pain. Rejection, when, when, you, feel, when you feel the pressure of rejection, mostly rejection is a lie. The, the spirit of fear, the fear of being rejected is, is the thing that makes that thing grow on the inside. And rejection has a voice. Rejection has a voice because anytime you get close to people, rejection will tell you they won't accept you. you rejection will, uh, will cause you not to be able to receive love. Because you already you heard the voice of the enemy saying, they don't love you, they don't care about you. So now you put a shell around yourself so that you're not able to receive love from anyone because the voice of rejection is speaking. Rejection can turn your life into hell. 
Rejection is a form of pressure. Another pressure is growing up. I don't know about you, but, but growing up is a pressure. Growing up is a pressure. In fact, they're saying now that the millennials are the most digitally connected generation ever. And yet at the same time, the millennials are the most lonely of all generations of all times. In this hour, growing up is a pressure. Um, I was talking to my daughter, and my daughter said, you, you just don't understand, Dad. We, we, every waking moment of our lives, our senses are being bombarded by something. We, we, we can't sleep. It's the phone. It's the radio. It's the television. There's this constant bombardment of our senses that, and, and, and where, where, we, where these things are trying to shape how we think. It's growing up is a form of pressure. In fact, one of the uh, pressures that many young people experience growing up is, man, what is my sense of purpose? What, what, what does the Lord want me to do? What am I supposed to do? And so many people, so many young people, their hearts become full of anxiety because they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to become. Many have not learned to deal with pressure. Many young people, the reason why for some Many young people growing up is a pressure because they had helicopter parents, parents who hovered over them and, and never allowed them to fail, never allowed them to experience pain. And so now they're out on their own and they cannot deal with the pressure of life. Are we here, saints? I know we don't have helicopter parents here, praise God. And, 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 one of, and, and the good, I think one of the reasons for dads is dads are able to say, because mamas want to nurture. Mothers want to nurture, not my baby, not my child. No, no. Dad is going to say, hey, hey, I'm the only one in this house have the right. You and I are the only ones in this house have the right to be tired. They're going to get up and get this done. Why? Because dad knows eventually they're going to be on their own. And, and, and it's not going to, you know, life is not in accordance to comfort. You're going to have to do things you, you need to do, not because you're comfortable, but because it has to be done. So dads know exactly they got to get up. Come on, saints. They got to do it right. Praise God. Amen. I don't hear any mother saying hallelujah. Praise God. Because the thing about it, if your child never learns how to deal with pressure in your house, they will, they will eventually have to leave your home and they have to learn how to deal with pressure. And many times when they have to learn on their own, it's devastating. Come on, saints. Don't shout me down. Don't. One of the other pressures that young people have to deal with is peer pressure. Peer pressure. And then the other thing that we normally don't even talk about here is bullying. So many young people have to deal with bullying growing up. Even to the point now, even to the point now, we, we, we see children committing suicide because of the pressure of bullying. We, right now, suicide is the number two uh, 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 cause of death for young adults. Because of what? Pressure. Growing up. Is full of pressure. How many of you would say this morning, parenting is full of pressure? You know, I, I, I want to say this. I mean, if you're, if you're a single parent, you're working, at, at, you're working, 
Sometimes you got to get up in that line of traffic and, and you got to drive or catch the bus or where you got to go. And, and, and you got to get them ready. You got to put the clothes on. You got to make sure. To, and you have to get them to school. And then you got to go to work. And then you got to come home. And then everything is on you regarding them. How many of you know that can be a what? Come on. Come on. Talk to me, saints. Pressure. And I want you to keep the frame of reference in your mind that Jesus Christ experienced the ultimate pressure. And even, you know, even if you're married, I mean, you got to think about this. If, if you're married, you, you're working, you're working, and, you, and you're parenting at the same time, and then you're married. And I, notice how I said that, because marriage, marriage can be hard, praise God. I don't have a, no one uh, taking a witness here, but, 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 but marriage can be hard at times. Living in the house with somebody who thinks differently than you, living in the house at, at, at sometimes when people, you feel the other person doesn't appreciate you, doesn't care about you, and you still have to function. You, you got to still feed the kids. You can't leave the house because you're mad. You got to make sure it's done and, and, and et cetera. And, and because you, oh man, it, 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 it can be a pressure. You got children, you know, I don't want to eat this, I don't want to eat that, and then you do fine, and then you, you get ready to walk out the door, and then a child vomit, and you got to change their clothes all over again. And if you got small children, you feel like you're packing to go out of town every time you get in the car. I mean, and, and then unpack, man, you got to take all these bags out. You got one baby here, and then you got one baby trying to crawl. You got one child, sometimes you got a wandering child, praise God, and then you got all. All these things are happening at the same time. And how many of you know this can be what? Pressure. And, oh, my God. And so, and then you got different personalities, man. The personalities start coming out. Man, when, when oh, oh, man. You got one child, man, man. You got one child that just says it like it is. I mean, and then you got one child. You look at them too hard, they cry. Then, 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 then you, then you, and then you got one child, man, who, who, I mean, we had one child, anytime he felt sleepy, he would just fall asleep wherever he was. Praise God. Amen. And, and, and I never forget, we had, we, we had one, I, I, I never forget, we had one child, the, the whole, all the teeth came in in, in, in three months. And, and I remember my wife, my wife was crying because she said something is wrong. I remember, I remember when we came home with, with Walter, man, and she was crying. I wanted to because the thought was going through my mind, what are we going to do? <laughs> we hadn't been this way before. And so parenting, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pressure. It's a pressure. Uh, um, the pain of, of, of being misunderstood. It's painful as a parent when your child misunderstands you. And it's, it, and it's equally painful when, when, when um, the, that that they perceive that you don't understand. It, it's painful when it, you, you, you want to connect, but they don't want to connect. It's, it's painful when it, all these things, are, these dynamics are happening in the parenting process. And it's, it's really something when, when, you know, they're demanding to be treated like adults, amen, but they still ask you for lunch money, amen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and you, and, you, and you got all these things and then oh and we have the new we have the new thing now we have adult children amen and, and that's a whole new bag right there praise God and, and 
But guess, and all these dynamics are happening at the same time. Oh my God, think about, man, when you, when you now, have you seen all the work they have to do in school? Oh my God. I remember Jane and I, we used to trade off. We used to trade off. And she would work on the big, she would work on the loan uh, projects and I would work with the daily homework. And then, uh, and then we, oh my God, and then, and then all of a sudden you have one child that comes up to you at the last minute and say, uh, 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 I got this project due tomorrow. And, and you, you, you're both looking at each other and then you, mom and dad, you start fussing at each other. You, I thought you knew about that. No, I didn't know about that. You, I thought you knew about that. Why are you looking at that? And then you find out later that the child told you, that the child just waited at the last minute pull out this balled up paper and with the project and now you got to stay up all night long. Oh my God. Pressure. Sometimes the pain in parenting is learning to let go. When you, when you have to let go when you want to hold on. Of the, the, sometimes, sometimes the pain of parenting is when you have to make the hard decision, a decision that will cause them temporary pain, but a decision that, that, that will be life-changing for them. Parenting is, has pressure involved in it. Another form, so we, we, we've mentioned the, the pressure of rejection, the pressure of growing up, the pressure of parenting, then there's another pressure that many of us face. It's called the pressure of loneliness or the illusion of loneliness. It, it's, it's been said one out of every five people in the USA suffers from isolation and loneliness. And the reason why loneliness is, is, a, is a form of pressure is because we are created for connection. We are created for community. Loneliness and isolation. Now, this is what research is saying. Loneliness and isolation are as much a factor in disease, premature death, as high blood pressure, smoking, and lack of exercise, and obesity. Because, because we are made for connection. Loneliness is a pressure. And many times loneliness, I mean, you can be married and be lonely. You can be married and be lonely. Loneliness is a spiritual condition. Loneliness is like an internal emptiness or void. Loneliness, many times, it's one thing to be alone. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. But, this, but being alone and lonely are two different things. With loneliness, man, is a spiritual condition because many times connected with loneliness is a sense of sadness. You feel sad about life and so you withdraw. You pull away and you isolate yourself. And many times, and, and, and some, many times what really makes loneliness a, 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 a real demon is, is that self-pity comes in. I'm all by myself. Nobody cares about me. Oh, man, look, you know, I'm just all here. All life is just falling apart and whatever. And so now what happens, you put a spiritual sh a shell around yourself. And so when people come around you, people are trying to relate to you, but the shell that's around you repels them. 
You, you, when people come near you, you isolate them because the Bible says, the Bible talks about how, how, a, how a, an iniquitous heart loves its own bitterness. Loneliness, loneliness is, 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 see the thing about it, if you don't deal with loneliness, it will affect you physically and, and, or you will figure out a wrong way to handle loneliness. And, and in the long run, it will end up creating more loneliness. Loneliness is a pressure. How many even know what we're talking about? Unforgiveness many times precipitate loneliness because when you, when you, when you don't forgive, it, your heart locks people out. Gluttony and other addictions. Men, I mean, a lot of times people, when they're lonely, they just sit home and just eat all night long, all day long. Just eat, eat, eat. You know, because the food becomes the, hum, the, the adult pacifier for the pain of loneliness. Come on, saints. And I, I just want to say this morning, for those of you who are out here, I can feel it right now in the room. Some of you are saying, Elder Crawford, you're talking about exactly what I'm dealing with. And, and, and one of the antidotes for loneliness is that, first of all, you got to find a church home, number one, if you don't have a church home. Number two, you got to get involved. Say, get involved. You got to get involved. You got to get involved. See, loneliness will say, it's better for me to be by myself. Lon you, you will talk yourself out of relationship. But, but if you want to deal with the pain of loneliness, then you have to get involved. You have to get involved. It's nothing like feeling like you're the only person in the crowd. You have to get involved. Got, got to find an area to serve. You, you, you need community. I've never been, man, there's so many times because I'm, 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 typically I'm an introvert. And so I love my alone time, but I want to tell you something. When I'm with the right people, man, I feel so refreshed after being with them. Man, it, it, I feel renewed because, because even if you are an introvert, you need connection. You need, you need connection. You need, and I, I'm, I'm talking about the right kind of connection. You, you need relationship. You need, you need to have fun with other people. You need to exchange conversation. You need to be around other people. And you don't have to be married for that to take place. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying here? Another form of pressure is double-mindedness. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, and one form of double-mindedness is having the wrong people in your life. Well, what I mean by having wrong people in your life, I mean having the right people for your flesh, but the wrong people for fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Bishop Johnson said that. See, you can have the people that bring comfort to your flesh, but these people don't work right for you in fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And I want to say this, when you discover God's purpose, that's another thing that brings joy into your heart. When you feel God's pleasure because you're doing the thing that you were made to do. Double-mindedness. Double-mindedness occurs when we're comforting and satisfying our flesh, creating gaps between manifesting our potential through discipline, because I want to tell you something. If you if you keep ministering to your flesh, you will not walk towards the discipline that's needed 
for you to fulfill the dream God has for your life. Amen. See, see, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. Another pain, another pain that some people feel, and, and each and every one of these people in uh, that these, each of these areas is in this room right now. Another area, man, is an addictive life. Having an addictive life is a form of pressure. See, addictions often bring, begin simply when reality becomes too much for us to bear. So the escape is through drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever. The agony in your soul. So what happens is when your soul is hurting, when you're hurting in your emotions, when you're hurting in your feelings, when you have issues from your childhood that has not been resolved, and you have these things running around on the inside of you. And, and, and so what happens, your flesh says, hey, I'm tired of you hurting. Uh, I, I, I'm going to help. Uh, why don't you do this? And this will take away some of the pain. And so when you do that very thing that takes away that pain, then your body secretes a neurotransmitter that, that a feel-good neuro, uh, neurotransmitter that makes you feel good, that dopamine, amen, that makes you feel good. And so what happens now, your body tries to recapture that feeling, and when your body thinks about how to recapture that feeling, it remembers that it happened when you did that one thing, and before you know it, you are caught up in an addiction. Most addicts do not even understand that their lives are becoming unmanageable until they have, have a trail of loss. Until they, until they, they don't, because what all addictions lead to an unmanageable life. And some of the signs is that you begin to see a, lo a loss of business, a loss of jobs. You, lo you lose several marriages constantly late for work, increased problems with children, car accidents, jail time, all types of problems uh, uh, flow out of, of this addictive lifestyle. And the thing that's so paralyzing about addictions is that you, you, it, it, it's a cycle. You get preoccupied with doing this particular thing, then you create this ritual that, 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 that leads you to, to doing the thing you shouldn't do. And when you, be, you, you, oh yeah, you just, hey, all of a sudden you get up 12 o'clock midnight, start driving, that's the ritual. And now you get into an induced state and you start searching for that person who has that drug, you know exactly where to go. And, and, and you told yourself last night, I'm not gonna do this again, I'm not gonna do this again. But now you're caught in this ritual and then you move from the ritual to compulsive activity. Now it's, it's this compulsive activity. And then after the compulsivity has ended, now you enter into that phase of despair. And that phase of despair is when you hate yourself. You don't care about yourself. Man, you, you, you hate yourself for what you did. And, and you t keep promising to yourself, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. And, be, and, be, and before, you, before you know it, the... the, the, the the, before you know it, the preoccupation recycles again. And you get caught in this web 
you get caught in this web because your brain keeps remembering how it how this thing makes you feel and how it keeps you keeps you or it isolates your heart from pain the, the, the interesting thing about it is is the eventuality of damage control which leads to an un, it leads to an unmanageable and uncontrolled life and I, I want to say because sometimes when people are, are battling addictive behavior, man, that's, that, 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 that is a form of torture. That's a, that's, a, that's a form of pain. That's a form of agony. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's hard. And I, I want the, the way the Holy Spirit said this to me last night are the, the people who rise up and they deal with the addiction. They are the heroes and champions because it takes a champion it takes a hero. It, 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 takes, it takes a warrior to face the music and say, I'm going to deal with this. And, 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 and that I know I can't deal with this by myself. I, 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 I need people in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of lying to myself. I, I want to escape this marginalized life where I'm not living out my potential because I'm, I'm, my life is being fractured by this addiction. Oh, man. And I, I want to say this to you. The shame is not rising from the ashes. The father is not looking down on you and, and condemning you. He's wanting you to get up. The father is looking at you saying, life can be better for you. I have a better life for you. And I'm going, I will walk with you through this. Just get up. Become a part of the community. Bring it out in the light so that, that so that, it, the power of deception and self-delusion no longer entraps and imprisons. An addictive lifestyle, man, addic I mean, addictions come in all form. You got people who are addicted to shopping. You got people who are, uh, who are addicted, addicted to all types of stuff. To, anyway, another, how many of you, it's a form of pressure. Another form of pressure is unresolved issues from your childhood. Uh, Bishop Johnson, myself, and Tiffany, Pastor Tiffany, we were having a conversation on Friday. And most of the time, we talk about unresolved issues from not having fathers and, and our, our father wounds. Because I'm going to tell you something, father wounds really hurt. Father, because the purpose of a father is to, to, to confirm your self-image. But I'm going to tell you something. I think more than ever, we have more people who are dealing with mother wounds. And, and, and mothers are so important in your formative development. Mothers are just as important as fathers. And, and the reason why we say this is because what happens is that a mother, a mother is, is, when a child doesn't bond well with his or her mother, they normally do not bond well in relationships. They do not bond well with their husband or wife. They do not bond well because you, from a mother, you, from the day one, when, when she looks in the eyes of the baby and the baby is looking at the eyes of mama and it's like, it's like hypnotic and they're looking at each other and that baby is just soaking up all that love, just soaking it up, all that love that comes from mama, the nurse that comes from a mother being held, being comforted, you know, being, you know, the dad is, the child fall down the scripts and the boy, get up, it'll heal before you get married. No, 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 mama, mama said, come here, baby, come here, baby, come here. Come on, mama, sit him on and lap and, and, and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Let mommy kiss it. No, daddy ain't going to say that, you know, and, uh, but mothers are like that. 
And mothers, believe it or not, mothers are the supplier of, they call it storge love, family love. We learn to love from moms. And many times children do not get that growing up. And, and many times, working moms who are single parents, they, they, they have to be both parties and they, they, don't, they, they can't give all that nurturing time and, and all these things and all these factors are there. And, and believe it or not, it can, it can be painful if you never deal with this stuff. Am I talking to myself? It's pressure. It was pressure when I found out that father wounds were, were literally ruling my life, carving out my future. And the only way to deal with it, I had to face it. And the big lie of the enemy is that you can do this by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. Jesus could not crucify himself by himself. Jesus, uh, he could not bear his body in the ground. Another form of pressure is grieving, broken relationships. Man, it's, there's no pain like a broken relationship. Some people, when they experience a broken relationship, they, I, 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 it's like saying, I'd rather break my leg than to feel this pain. Because the, the thing about, you can, you can take some medication to get rid of, to get rid of the, the, broken, the, the pain from a broken, broken leg. We, we can get you some opiates and you'd be taken care of. But, but, but I'm, just, I'm just being, the doctors will prescribe that for a certain period of time. I had a knee replacement. Yes, I did take opiates for about 10 days, praise God. Amen. Loved every moment of it. I had to have it, praise God. And, and now you, have to, you, have, and you need to understand, when they did that knee replacement, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, that opiates only took half of the pain away. And, and, and on top of that, I stayed awake for 30 days at night. I could not sleep. I could not find a comfortable position. It was torture. And now they're talking about they want to do the other leg. <laughs> not in this life. <laughs> but they said, Mr. Crawford, Mr. Crawford, you got one straight leg and you got one bow leg. Now the bow leg is shorter than the, the straight leg. And, and, so, and so, now that means that something is out of kilter. I, I, I told him I'd put some tissue in my shoes, man. I, 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 <laughs> but grieving from a broken relationship, that guys, there are people who never recover from the pain of a broken relationship. You know how many songs they have out now on, that, you know, that deals with a broken heart and, oh, she walked out on me and, 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 the, and the songs, I mean, so many songs. And then what happens, you listen to the songs and they just make you feel more miserable. And you keep listening to them over and over and over. And I wanna, I, I wanna say, but, but somewhere along the line, you have to rise up from the broken the broke that type of thing. Grieving when someone dies, when you lose someone. Man, that's a pressure. When you lose somebody, it, it's, it's different. It, it, it comes on you in waves. You don't even think about it and it, it comes on you and you find yourself crying. You, you, it, 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 it's, 
And it, it, it takes, yeah, some people, it, it takes time, but, but you got you to gotta manage the grief or the grief can overtake you. And the worst thing to do is to, to grieve and never do anything about it. And it creates other problems. <laughs> I'm talking about pressure. All these things are pressure. Another form of pressure, man, I, mean, I, think, I think the biggest pressure is when God requires that you and I wait. That's a pressure. And so you start thinking, things will never get better. I will never find a job. I will, uh, he or she will never get saved. I will never be respected. I will never, uh, the, listen to these nevers. I will never get married. I will never get promoted. Don't bother to dream you don't deserve it. Stop wishing for what can never be. The Lord will never answer your prayers. And that's so far from the truth. The only never you should focus on is that God will never let you down. He will never let you down. Though you don't see him working with, the, with your eyes, you can know for certain that he is because he guarantees that he, the Bible says in Isaiah 64:4 that he acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. If, you, he act, he's, he, if you're waiting for him, he's acting on your behalf. He's act, I, mean, I mean, sometimes we don't know why he's, he's taking so long. Many times he's working on us. Man, I kept reading the story of Joseph. Joseph received the prophetic word in two dreams that he was going to be a great leader one day. And next thing you know, he's, he's in prison. He's in a, in a hole and his brother's plotting to kill him. And then he's sold off to Potiphar. And then, and, and, and then he's accused of, of raping his, falsely accused of raping his wife. Then they throw him in prison. And, and then he, he, he interprets the dreams. And, and then they say, hey. And, 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 then, and when he interprets the dreams to these two guys in prison, jo Joseph says, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. And guess what? They didn't remember him. They, they didn't remember him. <laughs> In fact, the Bible says they forgot him. But the day came when the king had a dream. And no one could interpret the dream. And the one who forgot, he remembered. And in 24 hours, he, he rose from the pit and became the most powerful leader in the known world under Pharaoh. God can change your situation in 24 hours. We just gotta wait on him. Patience perfects us. You can't make God move faster than he wants to move because Father knows best. But waiting, waiting, my God, man. You say, how long sometimes? And the greatest thing you can do when you wait is to worship him and to put your eyes on him. 
to put your eyes squarely on him. And then the last pressure is the evil day. The evil day, the Bible says, take up the whole armor so that you may be able to stand in the evil day. The evil day, I'm going to give you the description of it. The evil day is when it's the perfect storm. It's not one situation happening. It's five or six situations happening at the same time. That's the evil day. The evil day is when you got four or five of these things I just mentioned happening at the same time and then you got circumstances, all these things happening at the same time and you're about to lose it. You're about to go crazy and you don't know exactly what to do. You don't, you don't have enough time in the day to get this done. You're trying to get some sleep and you can't sleep because you stay up at night worrying and you have to get up the next morning and you, and you, and you, and you, and you feel like you're tortured. You don't have any more energy. You don't feel like you want to go on. You want to give up. And you, many times we don't even realize that we're in the middle of a, 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 a spiritual crisis crisis we're in the middle of a spiritual battle and the big question is what did the man do who experienced greater pressure than this oh my god this is how we're going to end how to respond number one when the enemy says God has forgotten remember God says I will not forget you he cannot forget you Number two, when, 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 you, when you're dealing with pressure, come to the throne of grace. The Bible says, well, we have a great high priest, Jesus, who cannot, who cannot, who can sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sins. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of power, to the throne of empowerment, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. When you're in pressure and you can't sleep at night, the pain of a broken relationship and you keep rehearsing in your mind, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? I made this decision there. I made this decision there. And the devil just playing the record over and over and over and over and over and over. The Bible says, come to the throne of grace. Come to the throne of grace. You, you, I mean, you, you're trying to figure out with your mind what went wrong. The Bible says, don't do that. Don't do that. Come to the throne of grace. Come to the throne of grace. You have a high priest who can sympathize with you and then he will give you grace and mercy to help you in this this time of need. And you find that in Hebrews 4.15. Next, the next thing you have to do when you are in pressure. It's nothing like pressure. I'm going to tell you, sometimes the worst pressure is like when you seem like you don't have no time for you and your whole life is given to everybody else. Man, you, 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 you're working at the church. You, 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 you're you're working on the job. You come home. You got to help with homework. You got to mow the yard. You got to clean the house. Man, you, you, you got to be a husband. You got to be a wife. And all these things are there. And, you, and, and sometimes the worst pressure is wondering when there's going to be enough time for me. And I'm going to tell you something. When you start thinking, those kind of, when you start thinking that way, that's part of the, the dark side. Because the enemy, many times when the enemy is putting that question in your head, he has an answer for you. And so what, Je what did Jesus do? Say, what, say to the person next to you, what did Jesus do? This is what Jesus did. Luke, the 22nd chapter, the 44th verse says, and being in agony, get this, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as, as if it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. The Bible says the more 
agonized. That word agonized is that the Bible says he, he was experiencing so much agony. He was stretched out over the ground. The, the pressure was so great that his skin began. There's a, 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 a medical term. Uh, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to butcher it up. But, um, but what happens, the skin, the skin, the skin layers separate and creates a vacuum for the blood, the broken blood vessels, the, the blood to enter in. And then he, the scripture said he bled. His blood stopped coming out of his skin because of the pressure. But the Bible says when he was experiencing all of that agony. Man, I, I, I was sitting down picturing this because I have been there. I have been there. Man, there are times when you can be so empty on the inside that you don't feel like you have nothing else to give. There are times when you feel like you don't have any more strength because your mind is being bombarded by the enemy. The Bible says that when Jesus, when Jesus, when Jesus, when Jesus was in agony to that point, about to bear the weight of sin. The Bible says he prayed more earnestly. In fact, he took the disciples with him and said, come on with me, come on. Normally Jesus will go by himself and pray. He said, I need some people with me to pray. I got to pray. The only way I can deal with this load is that I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to come before the Father. I can't, I, 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 I can't leave myself to my flesh. I got to go to the Father. And that's the thing that we have to do. Because if you don't go to him, you're going to feel sorry for yourself and do something stupid that you regret. The pressure summoned Jesus to pray. The Bible says, man, you, you, you have to look. The Bible says, man, the Bible states that it is Man ought to always pray and not faint. When you're about to faint, when you're about, the Bible says you got to pray, you got to pray. Hear me, you got to pray, you got to pray, you got to pray. You got to come before the Father. And then Jesus said this, he told his disciples, he says, watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Now this is really interesting right here. Because what the Lord was saying, because Jesus was saying he was in, Jesus was in the temptation and he was watching and praying. <laughs> oh God. He was in the temptation because the temptation was there. Should I drink this cup? Oh man. He was there. It was watching and praying that got him through. And his disciples were falling asleep because most of the time, the way we deal with pressure, we go somewhere and fall asleep. But just because you fall asleep or take some sleeping aids or whatever, it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't change the situation. It, it, it doesn't at all. And Jesus is telling us right now, when times of pressure come, we got to go before the Father. Jesus, he didn't come doing some mamsy, pamsy, trap praying. Oh, Lord, help me. No, the Bible says he agonized, he cried out. It's nothing like praying when you tell it, God, help me. It's nothing like going before the Father and saying, Lord, I got nothing. I got nothing except you, Lord. Lord, if you don't move, I have nothing.
And the interesting thing about this is that if you're in the midst of that heat, man, and you go before the Lord, and you may not even feel like nothing changed, but the Bible says after Jesus prayed, the angels came and strengthened him. After Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the angels came and what? Strengthen him. Lord, hear this word. Hear this word. The ministry of angels are summoned to you when you go before the Lord. When you go before the Lord and the Lord knows you have nothing. You have nothing. You have nobody else to lean on. You have nothing. You know, the worst thing is to feel like nobody knows. Nobody knows what you're feeling. Nobody cares. Man, all that's happening inside of you. You go before the Lord and you don't hear anything. But, but, but somehow you know he's carrying you. He's there with you in the midst of the flame. There's another person in the fire trial with you, carrying you through. But you got to pray. Man, I've known nights, man, I've just stayed up and prayed. Then know nothing else to do but pray. Sometimes you got to choose between the bottle and pray. Sometimes you got to choose between cocaine and pray. Sometimes you got to choose between an affair and pray. Sometimes you got to choose between gambling and pray. Sometimes you got to make a choice between, between leaving your marriage and leaving your spouse and divorce and pray. Sometimes you got to make up your mind in the heat of the battle that there is a high priest. And I believe the Lord is telling us here tonight today See, don't make the mistake. See, don't, and see, and see the people, man, when you read the Psalms, and one of the greatest things you can do when you're dealing with stuff is to find yourself in the book of Psalms. Find your pain, find your sorrow, find your cry, find your situation in the book of Psalms. Read it until you find that place where you can identify. Oh, my God. Oh, man, man. When, and when that happens, man, there, there are times when it seems like everybody is prospering and you not. It seems like every good thing is happening for everybody and you not. But the Bible says when King David felt like that, King David, man, he got upset. King David said, I, you know, I don't understand what's going on. I, you know, I, I, he was in his flesh. I don't know what's going on. You, you're moving for everybody else. You're blessing everybody else. You're doing things. And then King David said, when I went into the sanctuary. When I went into the sanctuary, then I understood things. Perspective came. Pressure. Sometimes when pressure, sometimes when you're under pressure, all you can do is do what you know to do. Sometimes, sometimes it's you, you just you flow out of discipline when you when you don't want to do what you have to do. That's when discipline takes over. And I want to give this word to Metro today. We're in a season now. We must become a people of pray with all kinds of praying. 
We must become a people of praying. There's all types of praying. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 6. There's thanksgiving. There's praise and worship. There's consecration prayer where you're dedicating yourself. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was dedicating himself. There's a prayer of agreement. There's a prayer of supplication. There's a prayer of in intercession. There's a prayer of declarations. There's a prayer of sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. We must strike the ground in Atlanta until the bowls of incense are turned over in this city. We must strike the grounds until the bowls of incense in heaven are turned over to redeem this area for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's the communion with the Holy Spirit. There's 24 7 praying. Man, the Bible says praying with all kinds of praying. And I'm going to say this in this, I, the, the, I wrote this down in my notes. The Lord spoke to me and said this one thing that we need to do in this region. We need to begin, we need to, we need to, we need to sprinkle the blood of Jesus over this area. Every time we drive, we need to sprinkle the blood of Jesus. Some days intentionally driving places, sprinkling the blood of Jesus, sprinkling the blood of Jesus and declaring, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light eternal life be in this area in Jesus name eternal life be in this area in Jesus name light of God be in this area sprinkling the blood of Jesus Christ in an area where people don't believe in God and watch this area this territory begins to soften up the last scripture this word I wrote this word down scripture based on the passion version if you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. <laughs> Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around continuously like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles that you endure. And then, hear this metro, because some of, some of us in this church have gone through some seasons of suffering. Some, some of you have gone through seasons of suffering. But he says in his word in 1 Peter, and then after your brief suffering, the God of loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will firmly set you in place and build you up and he has all power needed to do this for you. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand.